Hello, mamas. We are Allison, Kelsey, and Melissa, and we would like to welcome you to the Unstressed Mama podcast, the podcast that will teach you how to manage the daily stress that comes from being a mom. Nothing is off limits here. From peeing your pants to balancing your budget to working out, we'll talk about it. Hey, mamas, thanks for joining us today. We have a special guest with us today, Mark Gablowski, and I'll tell you a little bit about him before we get started here. Um, Straight from his social media profiles, Mark is a husband, a father, a U.S. Air Force veteran, a business owner, a teacher, and an author. And being an author runs in Mark's family. We will definitely talk about that a little more throughout the episode. And as you know, we're continuing our series on fitness, and we invited Mark here today to talk about martial arts. He is a career martial artist and actually owns the school where my son and I take lessons. And Mark has dealt with more than his fair share of stress in life. So he is the perfect person to talk to us about using martial arts as a way to manage stress. So welcome, Mark, and thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Um, just to kick it off here, can you give us a background on how you originally got started in the martial arts yourself? Sure. When I was a kid, um, 50 years ago, there was a TV show that came out and it was called Kung Fu. And um, I, I sat and watched the, was it, they called pilot, the pilot show, the first episode and fell in love with it. And I was like, oh man, this is so awesome. This guy, he, he's, he's powerful, but he's also peaceful. You know, he's courageous, but he's also calm, centered and kind. And and um, I didn't have like much peace in my life growing up and uh, things weren't really calm in my home. So those attributes he had, like I wanted them. We were we were too poor for me to um, be able to study martial arts. And, you know, 1970, there were not a schools on every other street corner like there are in 2022. Um, so eventually I was, uh, I joined the military and at that point I had some time and I had some money. And so I started up at a Kung Fu school while I was stationed in Korea. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how it all started a boyhood dream. And then I didn't get to join until I was like 26. Um, did you pick Kung Fu on purpose or did that happen to just be what was the most conveniently located school? No. And it's funny because I was in the service for about like five years before I got to Korea and I had traveled to and looked at a bunch of different schools and wherever I was at, but I never, I never joined. I was, to be honest, I was scared. <laughs> like I thought, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get hurt and I'm going to look stupid. And this is just going to end badly for me, even though it was something I deeply desired to do. Um, so anyhow, when I got to Korea, there was a Kung Fu school there. And when I went to the school, I initially went down and met, the, met the instructor. One of my uh, workmates was studying there and um, said, okay, I'll be back next month when I get back from leave and I'll, I'll start then. And I walked downtown that day off base and walked up the stairs. It was on a second floor and I stood in front of that door and I almost turned around and left again, like I had every other time previously, but there was one thing, it was a Kung Fu school and the other schools had been like karate or Taekwondo schools, which are all great but it wasn't what I was looking for. But the big thing was I stood in front of that door and I thought, if you turn around again and you walk away, you're going to be scared the rest of your life. Like you, you're going to put something that's deep in your heart to do 
away and not do it because you're afraid. And then I thought, no matter what's on the other side of that door, it could not be worse than being afraid the rest of my life. So I opened a door and I walked through and stepped into the unknown. And, you know, here we are 34, 5, 35 years later. Um, I feel like that's kind of a universal story about joining martial arts because my, Danny was definitely worried. I took what, like six weeks of sitting there watching him thinking about it, thinking the same, like, oh, this, if I do this, this is going to end badly for me for sure. There's no question. <laughs> I'd also like to add that, that, I mean, I, I my kid, I, I don't know much about martial arts. That's actually another question I'll ask later, but being afraid to do something new, something you said you wanted to do since your childhood, and it was still really hard to do. I mean, in your case, it was martial arts or Kung Fu specifically, right? But for so many of us, there are things we want to do and we're afraid to take that next step. Um, and I actually just three days ago, I did my first open water swim, like donned a wetsuit, 60 degree water. And I literally like, I, you know, paid for the clinic. And I'm like, I woke up and I'm like, I, I don't think I should go. Like there were so many times leading up to it. I, I was like, I shouldn't go. And I went and I'm like, I survived. And now it's kind of cool. And I'm like, man, if only I would have done this last fall, the nerves that I have about the swim I have now in five weeks would have been calmed six months ago versus a month before the race, six months before the race. And I think that's just like a lesson of, in, in what you said about you know, is walking through that door worse than being scared the rest of my life? And obviously the answer is no, um, that that can be applied to so many things that we want to do with our lives that we're afraid to do. Sometimes you just have to try it and look where it can get you. You're a hundred percent right. And, you know, I guess in martial arts, you could, you could, honestly say, yeah, there's a chance I'm going to get hurt. I mean, you kick and punch at people, so, or choke or whatever. So like, there's a legitimate, there's a reality to it, but I've found in my life and lots of people who I've worked with over the years, they're not giving up something that could potentially be dangerous. They're actually giving up on a dream, like something that's in their soul. Like you were meant to do this. You were meant to paint, or you were meant to go hiking in the mountains, or you were meant to play an instrument and were afraid of looking foolish um, in order to get to somewhere that we really want to go. And, and it's not that you look foolish, you look like a beginner, you look like a new person, like, that's normal, you know, and when your kid starts walking, they don't do it successfully or gracefully, you know, but if every baby could talk themselves out of walking, we'd all be crawling around on our hands and knees right now because we were afraid of falling down on our butts. So, yeah, but yeah, you can, you can rob yourself of a lot of things if you allow fear to remain there or you choose not to act in spite of the fear. Yeah, that's uh, a lot of times what I have to tell Danny over and over again, that being brave is doing something, even though you're afraid to, because if you weren't afraid to, then you would just do it and it wouldn't even matter as much. So I alluded to that you've had more than your fair share of stress in life. Um, Anybody who's heard you talk before will know that your son, Josh, was hurt in a car accident when he was little um, and has had life-altering injuries from that. Did you use your martial arts training to help you get through that time eventually? Um, yeah, I'm, you know, I was fortunate or blessed to have already been in the martial arts when I had to go through that. And I was, like, I was in my forties when Josh got hurt first half of my forties. So it was almost 
it was like 18 years I'd already been doing martial arts and I wasn't just doing it. You know, I had a couple of schools, I had hundreds and hundreds of students and it was a big part of my life, but, you know, frequently in life, I, at least in my life, I've found that I teach what I need. You know, I needed martial arts. I needed it for a lot of reasons. I had no idea in 1987 that in, uh, or January of 87, that in August of 2001, I was going to need every hardship I ever went through and any strength that I'd ever gained to just get through the next day or week or month. And then it turned into months and now it's been years, but um, it was, it was a huge asset, but I, I, I would just throw this out there. I firmly believe this. You don't need martial arts to be able to get through tough things. Right. I, I, I believe everybody, like if something shows up in your life, like I'm talking about horrible things, like just horrible. Um, like, I believe it doesn't matter who it is. And I know we don't always feel this way on the inside, but I believe every person who has something in their life, like you can get through it. Like you actually have in you and around you what you need to get through that. And I know there might be people out there who would um, disagree and I would not blame them for it. Like I'm getting a little choked up just thinking about it because I, I did not like going through the things that I went through, the, the, the extreme hardships that I went through in my life. And I especially didn't like my son having to go through it. He was a toddler at the time and he's you know 20 and he's still going and he'll be going through it for the rest of his life. But we all have what it takes. I really, I, I would encourage everybody to pause and just man, if you're going through a tough time, like you got what it takes. And I, if you can't believe that in the moment, believe that I believe that. Like, I believe that about all three of you and everybody else who ever hears this, you've got what it takes. You really do. It just doesn't feel like it in the moment, but sometimes our feelings don't give us accurate and useful information. Sometimes our feelings are misleading. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad I had it, but you don't need it to get through life. But I would encourage everybody to do it anyhow, because <laughs> it's I fun. Think, it's fun and you get all kinds of bennies out of it. I, I think where you're saying that everybody has it, but you don't always know that you have it. I, my, my kids do jujitsu, so we're in an area of martial arts as well. And I see this with them. My husband also does it. And then I do other fitness things. I think martial arts or any sort of fitness is a little bit of a reminder that we do have some of that strength and that ability to push through hard things, even though we don't always feel that it's there. Almost like it's a tangible reminder of we are tougher than, than we think we are. Um, like I'll watch my, my five-year-old and my seven-year-old go and do their class and do open mat at the end. And my five-year-old will not give up ever. Um, but then he'll go home and his brother will like do one thing that'll make him really angry. And it's like a meltdown for the whole world. And so it's like, he's super tough in this situation. And I'm hoping at some point he'll be able to apply that to other areas of his life and know that if I can handle my brother picking on me when I'm on the mat and I can handle that situation here, I can handle all these other situations that are going to pop up in my life. And I know that's a way toned down version of, you know, dealing with hard things and adversity, but that's kind of what I see with clients that I work with, with my kids doing jujitsu, with my husband doing jujitsu is it's a, it's a tangible evidence of the strength that we have to endure certain things and fight through certain challenges, even though they're not the same kind of challenges, but if you can do it in one realm, you definitely can take it into different realms of your life. You're absolutely right. And your son at the age of five, he's not just learning to deal with his brother on the mat. And, you know, he's dealing with other little, little guys or, and guys who are maybe a little older, a little bigger, who are trying to subdue him, you know, like they're trying to get you to tap out. <laughs> yeah. um, yep. You know, it, that's a big deal to be under that kind of pressure at the age of five or, or 25 or 55. 
but to be able to like put yourself in that super stressful environment and learn to breathe and learn that I can get through this. And I really like, I couldn't do anything on day one, but on day 10, like you're better actually on day two, you're better. And if you can look at like where I started and now where I'm at, and if you can have enough faith, like this will work, how do we know anything will work? Well, there's hundred million people doing Brazilian jujitsu, you know, like it works for everybody who does it. Martial arts, self-discipline focus. It works for everybody who does it. It's, it, they're all like muscles. Like the more you work the muscle, the stronger it gets. And that includes having or expressing courage when I'm afraid. It's, it's not that you're not afraid. Like you said earlier, it's, it's stepping into the fear and going, this is important enough for me to do it no matter what. You hear the stories of a, of a mom picking up a car off of a kid or like that's, that's true. But on any other day, that person couldn't lift that car up like to save their own life. But it's my kid. Oh, my gosh. You know, you, you do things that are impossible in the moment. And I think that's something to remember. Like there's examples probably in each person's life that hears this um, podcast where it, all they have to do is look back a couple of years and go, holy crap, that was hard. Oh, my gosh. I went through, I, I lost my job, but I found another one. Oh my gosh, I had this horrible, disastrous divorce. Um, my business blew up. Somebody cheated me out of $150,000 and I lost my business, whatever. Or a, a physical thing, cancer, you know. I know not everybody beats everything, but there's so many times that we have beaten the odds. We've really risen to the occasion and to call on that and go, wait a minute. I've thought, when I started uh, doing Kung Fu, I smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. That's 40 cigarettes a day. <laughs> that is insane. It's like, I don't really want to offend people, but it's stupid. Like, you know, I'm 26 and I'm smoking <laughs> two packs of cigarettes a day, killing myself. But I figured out um, I'm never going to be able to, to be as good at martial arts as I want to be because these cigarettes are actually forming a ceiling over me. Like I can only go so far and this thing will keep me from it getting any better. Um, exactly four months later to the day I quit cold Turkey. I never quit cold Turkey before I did it then because there was this thing that was so important to me that I was willing to give up cigarettes and booze and carousing and, you know, like taking care of myself in exchange so I could have this thing that I thought I would love. And it turned out I did. Yeah, we all got it. You can do amazing things. If anybody listening has never quit smoking before, that's pretty, uh, it's a pretty hard thing to do. I did it four years ago. And um, so that's amazing <laughs> to be able to just quit cold turkey, especially I mean, my motivation was more like, I'm a really bad role model for my kid. It wasn't even for myself. So that is really I'm, saying something. I'm not suggesting it was easy. No. You know, but... when I say cold turkey, I, I truly never held a cigarette in my hand since then. But I had a strategy in place. I knew what I wanted. And then I knew like temptations are going to come. I'm going to feel cravings or impulses or, you know, after your dinner, you used to light up a cigarette. Now you, what are you going to do now with your, your hand, you know, but mm -hmm. I had, a, I put into place a couple of strategies that allowed me to succeed, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but I got it done. Yeah. I, uh, when I quit smoking, I was down to smoking like two cigarettes a day and it was still horrible the first couple of weeks, just making that final leap to no more. Um, the last time I quit smoking, cause you know, there were times before that one was actually 12 years ago, almost 13. Wow. Um, and it was, awesome. there was like a, you know, that moment and mine at that point wasn't even physical. 
um, cause I'd gone back and forth with smoking like the year before I ran a marathon and I didn't smoke very much, but then I picked up smoking. Like it, my, the habit kept coming back And my, my, this is our tangent of the day. Uh, right. I was at my sister's wedding and like you had to be outside to smoke. And I like missed the entire wedding reception cause I was standing outside smoking and I was like, Oh my gosh, like I can't get that day back. Like that's ridiculous. Um, and that was it. I Great had no story. idea that you used to smoke. Um, well, you know, all the new things, time in the Navy sometimes gets you the need for stress relief and smoking is kind of the only thing you get on deployment. Um, (laughs) so I definitely had ebbs and flows of when I had close to two packs a day and sometimes it was like two a day. Um, if Kelsey pipes up and says she smoked, I'm going to pass out. So (laughs) I I might might as well. (laughs) Don't worry, you're good. You're good. (laughs) One smart one out of the four of us. Yeah. My dad was a respiratory therapist and set very clear expectations uh, that that was not an option. And that was fine with me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so let's talk about Josh a little bit because I see him in there doing Kung Fu also. And it appears to be a pretty big struggle for him with his balance issues. Um what does that mean to him to be able to come in there and, and practice martial arts and do this even with his limitations that he has? Um, it's a big deal to him. You know, before he was hurt, he was here at the school with me. All, all the time that he was with me, we were in the school and he loved it. And he used to stand on the benches on the side while we're having classes and he would just mimic everything. So he, he had this in his experience um, before he got hurt. After he got hurt, he was, at, he was incapable of doing anything. Actually, a, a, a one minute old baby was better off than him. He couldn't even swallow his own spit. It was, it, it was a devastating injury and it was a global brain injury. It was both hemispheres, all the lobes and the brain stem. everything was affected. So it, it's been, um, it's been a huge challenge for him to be able to walk without falling over. And Allison, you see, like when he's walking, there's, he, he may fall over like, and yeah. sometimes he does. Luckily we have a padded floor here, but, uh, um, so it, it means a tremendous amount to him, but it is a huge struggle. Um, things that, uh, wouldn't generate a sweat on anybody else will cause him to perspire because his whole body's in conflict with itself. Like, you know, he has high tone, which means his muscles tighten up uncontrollably, um, especially if he's feeling a little anxious, anxiety, whatever. Um, So, um, yeah, it's a tremendous challenge for him. But, you know, he talks about getting his black belt someday. He plans on taking over the school when I'm dead. It's almost like he's trying to push me out the door half the time (laughs) and into the grave. (laughs) He, he doesn't really, but he, he likes teasing me. So, um, yeah, it's tough. And it's tough because it's not just physical challenges. He's there's emotional and there's intellectual, you know, in, in many ways, he's like a nine-year-old, um, with a beard, 220 pounds and five eleven, something like that, <laughs> but he's, he's like a nine-year-old. So it's very difficult and it's difficult as a parent to, you know, for any of the parents or people out there in general who are caring for a loved one, whether they're older, younger, sibling, child, parent, whatever, grandparents, it's very difficult to, you know, try to keep your, I don't know, are all three of you mothers? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, you know, like when your kid has a cold, how, and their little lip is like turned down and they've got a fever, like one of them fevers and they can't really function. And they're just like, you know, in a horrible state, like it, that's sad. I mean, you know how hard that is. Um, so anybody who's out there 
caretaking for anybody else hats off to you whether they're 100 healthy because as soon as they get hurt or sick you know you're like you're feeling bad for them or it's a chronic thing like life's a challenge it's just a challenge mm-hmm. i know um it's inspiring for me to see him in there doing that but he was just in there last week and i noticed that you know he's trying to walk in a straight line and it's hard for him and he just keeps trying which is awesome and it it made me wonder if trying to do this which is so hard for him is what led to him thinking about or kind of not led to him but formed the the baseline inside of him to want to write a book um I hinted earlier that being an author runs in Mark's family and Josh just released a book. Was it last year? Yeah, technically we published it at the end of December, but we actually launched it in the middle of January, Mm -hmm. which is how Um, I met you face to face for the first time. That's right. Yeah. We have, we have a funny story of knowing each other, like kind of met through someone who lives in California and just happened to live in the same town. And I went to Josh's book signing. I had been following his story and thought it was interesting and thought maybe I should come out of my cave and not be like Dungeons and Dragons and meet some people in real life. Um, So yeah, that's how this all got started. But tell, tell us a little bit about Josh and how he wrote his book, because I think that's a really cool story. Yeah. So Josh, um, I had actually set Josh up to talk with my old writing coach. Um, her name's Jennifer Perea. And um, Jennifer's just been a great friend to me, as well as a great writing coach for the way I write and or what I want to write. Um, and to be honest, I had no idea. They decided they were gonna, that Josh was going to write a book, and they did this whole thing without telling me. So like the manuscript, and it's a children's book, so it's short and easy, but the manuscript was completed before I ever knew about it. They only told me about it once they needed funding for their little project. <laughs> that's when I, that's when they involved me. So anyhow, it, it was funny to see this thing emerge, honestly, without me being a part of it initially. And I think that's, you know, I always read to Josh, um, still do at times, and I, re- I love reading. So he's been around books, um, and he knows about, you know, me posting stories of my life or our life together and his challenges and experiences and um, on Facebook. So he's, he's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's in his blood, just like Kung Fu has turned out to be in his blood. Um, so anyhow, yeah, they came to me for funding and we, and we got an, uh, an illustrator involved um, and it's a beautiful little, I don't know, 20, 24 page book. And um, he um, he's sold over 800 copies now and he has, um, he chose before the book was actually published, he, he came to me and asked if he could donate all the money the royalties to some kids charity like that wasn't jennifer's idea it wasn't my idea it was his and i was like sure buddy you can do whatever you want with it and so he's we just sent the check off last week for two thousand seven hundred and forty two dollars to a um a children's charity called sunshine foundation which grants wishes to um, chronically ill, disabled um, children up to the age of 18. And Josh had been a beneficiary of one of those wishes when he was like nine years old. And um, they've granted like 42, 43,000 wishes over the decades. And they actually predate the big wish granting name that we all know by four years, like they were doing this four years before the other one showed up. So um, it's a great charity. It's a great cause. And he wanted to give back. He chose them. 
That's awesome. That's so amazing that he came up with that idea on his own to, you know, say that that's what he wants to do with the money. Yeah, he should have been born like 400 years ago when there were knights running around. <laughs> like, he's that guy. He's just that guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that if my child wanted to donate some money to charity, he would say, first, I want to buy these things that I've been looking at. And then if there's anything left over afterwards, I will give that money to charity. Like most kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, let's see. So one of the questions I had initially thought of, so I'm kind of the oddball, well, Kelsey's the one who never was a smoker. Um, I don't have much experience with uh, martial arts and my kids have been asking to do, actually, my, I don't think she really knows, the, I don't know the difference. So that was gonna be one of my questions. What are the difference between a few? And then my other question was kind of answered already. Like when is the right age too young or too old? Um, but you've kind of already answered as an age, like your son was in there pre-age three and a half and you didn't start until you're in your twenties. So I feel like the answer of what age is it, the age doesn't matter. Is that, you know, it, question? it depends on a couple of things. One okay. is the, the personality of the child or the person, um, and the instructor or the school. So they, they really need to be a good fit. And some schools emphasize certain things like maybe tournaments or full contact or you know um so you got to find something that as a mother you're comfortable with at least comfortable enough to allow it like you might not be completely comfortable with it because there's people throwing punches and kicks and choking and <laughs> so that could be a little nerve-wracking for a mama right one of my first for one of my friends who was like the first one to have a baby, her daughter's now 10. And she posted a video of her doing jujitsu meet competition. And I was like, how do you sit there and watch these things? Like she was being bent backwards. And I saw her, the daughter, and she's like, oh, it's fine. I don't get, it doesn't hurt. And I was like, oh my God, it hurt me watching you. <laughs> and my friend was like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of hard, but she loves it. So I, I just suffer through it. Like. Oh my gosh. Like, so like thinking about it, like gives me a little anxiety watching somebody else's kid who I know, like I can't imagine my kid going through these. And so that was kind of the other question of if you wouldn't mind just for maybe other listeners like me, if you could briefly kind of just, and maybe like, I don't know how brief it is, the difference of like the mainstream types of martial arts, um, you the, diff the different the types of martial arts. Sure. Sure. Maybe so for an age group too, like do people transition from one type to another over a lifetime or do they usually stay with one? Well, this is 2022. So the world's very different than 1970, 80, 90, or even the year 2000. Brazilian jiu-jitsu has come on like a freight train since, um, was it the middle, early mid nineties when the UFC started up? Um, and there was a, there's a huge gap in most stand-up martial arts. Like they don't know what to do uh, once they get to the ground, which is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ's specialty. So I think everybody needs to know some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I, I think everybody, you got to have a ground game. Like if you're looking for a martial art for your kid and if, if, if self-defense is part of it, they have to know what to do on the ground. Now, it doesn't solve all of self-defense problems, but it solves a critical problem that it's kind of like if you fall out of a boat, it's too late to get swimming lessons like you needed them before. And if somebody takes you to the ground, it's too late to figure it out. Like they and, and with YouTube, like there's there's people all over the country that have a like functional ability on the ground just from watching YouTube videos. I don't recommend that for you for moms 
getting their kids involved. Like, don't put them in front of YouTube and go here, go learn how to do a rear naked, blah, blah, blah. Don't forget side control. Uh, um, yeah, none of that. So I recommend, I would recommend if, if you're going to get your kid involved in martial arts, and I highly recommend everybody do that, young or old, you need to go somewhere where they do have a ground game. And there's, there's plenty of stand-up schools that also have a ground game now, or you can just go straight to a BJJ school. And this is coming from a Kung Fu guy. All right. I like, you got to just be honest with the world. Um, but shopping around your neighborhood, talking to friends um, about where they take their kids or where they go themselves going in and taking a trial lesson or a trial week. Um, don't get pressured into signing anything like immediately because there's some pretty serious sales tactics going out, going on out in the industry at different schools, not all schools, but some, um, but you should be able to test drive it, at least watch a class and then maybe try a class or whatever. Um, but you got to find a place that's going to get your child or yourself what you want is that confidence is that self-defense is that socialization you know like my kid's not very social i you know we've had kids just blossom personality wise in here you know just from being around other kids and what we do here so um yeah i'm i hope i answered that question what? those are great places for me to start so answer what are the things Melissa, because we have we have our kids in jujitsu, right? We were looking for self-defense. So that was one of the things that took us to jujitsu. And then we did. We did the trial. We did the week. Um, the thing that I have really liked that has come out of it for my kids personally is they are learning the self-defense. And there's a very clear difference. And our, our teacher is really good about like, this is stuff that you would do in competition versus this is stuff that you would do in a self-defense situation. Um, and so I really appreciate that from a mom standpoint. Um, but the kind of kids that you see showing up to these classes and working hard and sticking with it, those are the kind of kids that I really wanted my kids to be around because they're learning how to work hard. They're learning to be respectful of their partners when they're training, they're learning to be respectful of their teachers. And then in, in our school, and I don't know uh, Mark, if this is how you guys do it in your school, but in our school, the higher um, trained kids, the kids that have been around for a while, um, they actually come and they help with the younger kids class if they're available. So a lot of the kids have like younger siblings that are in the like the juniors class. We don't really have like two different names. We have like an eight and under class and an eight, a nine and over class. And so the kids that are waiting around for their nine and over class if they're just sitting there, they throw on their geese and they hop on the mat and they get to help teach the kids. And I really like that aspect of having them involved um, because it keeps, the, it keeps the kids engaged with other kids. It keeps the older kids engaged with the younger kids. And when you can teach, you learn things better. It's just beneficial for everybody all, all around. So I, that's one of the things that I liked about our school. And that's one of the reasons we chose our school um, is because it was there was a lot of components that worked really, really well for my kids and that I felt really good about going to. And I, Kelsey, I think like you nailed it, you knew what you wanted and then you went and found that. And I'll, you know, I think most people would agree that, you know, whether it's fitness or say self-defense that you initially show up for, I mean, people start martial arts for one reason, but they frequently stay for other reasons frequently the socialization with other really quality people like people who are willing to invest in themselves and their children to help them become better human beings because in a good jujitsu school or kung fu or taekwondo karate it doesn't matter like we're trying to teach these kids how to be better human beings and we hope that we're teaching them the same things that you mamas are teaching them and dads at home. We just use different tools. We might have slightly different words, you know, but we, we, we have a specific word every single week that we discuss with each class. And we talk about things like humility, but we also talk about perseverance. We talk about commitment, dedication, and hard work, but we also talk about compassion, kindness, and love. Like, 
if you show up at a school and you're investing your hard-earned money, I, I think, and you're investing yourself into it, you should be able to walk out of there with a multitude of benefits. And the way we explain it to the kids is your parents paid tuition, that got you on the floor. Like that got you on the mat. You have to pay for your Kung Fu with your sweat and your effort and your focus. Like it, you have to pay for it twice because money doesn't get you the skill. Money just gets you in the door. But then you actually have to practice and learn and to be honest, 85% of the outcome is a result of the student's effort. Like I can only say so many things. I can only teach a technique a certain way or several ways. Um, but yeah, you got to, um, you should be walking out with, as a changed person. This is something I don't even think I've told you this yet, but um, Danny, my son, is not super excited about school. He's very smart, but he doesn't always get A's or excellence or whatever because he just it's he's not that interested in it. And this year I was getting a little bit annoyed with him because I knew that he was just rushing through things and not trying. And I think he started there in January. And just in the last month or so, his homework has been coming home all perfect, all excellence, all everything. And I said, wow, um, Danny, this is awesome. You know, what changed? And he said, I don't know. Um, I just like doing my stuff better now. And his teacher sent me a message and said, he's like a different kid. Is something different with him? you know, he's, he pays attention a lot more. He doesn't rush through things and he's just very different all of a sudden. And the only thing different in his life is Kung Fu. And it's just subtle, but a huge change. I think when he said he didn't know what was different, I think he was being a hundred percent honest. Cause he, he doesn't make the intellectual connection that, Oh, things have only really been different in my life for the last three months, yeah. <laughs> you know, he doesn't get that, but you know, you were observant enough to like see the difference and you've been supportive. And I think the fact that actually you're on the mat as well, mm -hmm. I think that goes a long way with helping him just to want to do better in general, even if he's not aware of it, like he's having thoughts, about trying harder or not giving up, mm -hmm. but I don't know that he could ever link that back to, well, it's kind of cool that my mom does this too. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you would never say that out loud. <laughs> Maybe in 40 years he'll have Maybe. that. <laughs> um, well, and the other thing is Kelsey had alluded to this too, but the, the student teachers that are teenagers, he looks up to so much and he can see that okay, these guys are only eight or nine years older than me. This is realistically something that I can do someday. And I want to be like these guys that are disciplined and in really good shape. And he thinks they're super cool. And that helps also. All true. Yep. He's now went from, he just wanted to be a YouTuber forever, but now he's going to be a YouTuber and a Kung Fu instructor. Nice. You, you know, you, you're around these kids. So, you know, I have several instructors who started at three and a half and they're now 16, 17 and 18. They've been in this environment literally most of their lives and they have no problem saying yes, ma'am. And yes, sir, to total strangers. Like, mm -hmm. but we talk about starting with a high degree of respect for yourself and for others. Start there, like just start there. That's the best place to start. People appreciate when you treat them nicely, when you are respectful towards them, when you're a helpful person, like it's valuable. It's valuable currency for when you're an adult and you're in a job market, whether it's the military or civilian world. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. No, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, the other, I'm in a decent amount of schools for one reason or another. I'm not 
teacher by any means, but I just seem to be around a lot of school things. And I notice a lot that kids get talked down to, like they don't understand and, and they will do the thing just like with old people, if they don't answer right away, they talk louder to them or slower and it's really disrespectful. And I think a lot of people do it without even realizing it. And this is one place where he comes that that does not happen. Um, even the little, little kids, I, I noticed the instructors speak to them as if, you know, did you bring your sheet? Did you remember this? Do you need another one? Here you go. This is your responsibility. And I think that goes a long way too, towards them just being treated like a human and not some person who can't figure anything out or, you know, just disrespected in general. Well, as being mamas, you know, that three and four-year-olds are pretty darn smart. Like, you know, that <laughs> they're way smarter than you, mm -hmm. we give them credit for. Um, but I, I think you're right. And it's, it's important to treat people with a high level of respect. And there's, there's a saying, I don't know where this came from, um, but you can measure a person's character by the way they treat the people least important to them or who the way they treat people who have the least influence over their life. Like these four-year-olds have no influence over my teenage instructors or the adults or myself, you know, they don't, but if I don't teach them, if I don't treat them with respect, how could I ever expect them to behave with respect? Like I can't, you know, people will do what you do long before they're ever going to do what you say. Like they just follow and it's hard to not follow. Like, and we'll, we have that discussion with the kids sometimes. One, one youngster might start goofing around and then guess what? The one next to him or one student down, he starts goofing around and then another one starts goofing around and we'll, we'll stop class and say, Hey guys, you know, we're always being role models. We're always being a leader and everybody's always watching us. But did you notice that one person did this and now there's two or three people doing it? Now we can set an example of a positive moment in time or a negative moment in time where we're getting people distracted or helping them to get in trouble. Yeah. Or we can set a good example by staying focused, doing the right thing in the moment. And they're more likely to follow that example. So. Yeah, we have to treat those four-year-olds with respect. They, they deserve it. But if I want to affect the future, when I'm long gone from this earth, I'm hoping that four-year-old is teaching his grandkids 50 years later how to be respectful and why it's important. Mm -hmm. And they don't, I don't want to go off on a tangent on this, but boy, they, they do not require that or they're not allowed to require it or something in the schools that I see. The kids are in there mouthing off, cussing at the teachers. I saw one teacher a couple of weeks ago that had her knee shattered and they just, you know, basically bow down to those kids and they don't want to upset them. And like, you know, let's just sit down and, and coming here and having structure and having people told when they're doing something disrespectful is just, it's so important to not unleash these humans on the world that have been allowed to do whatever they want to do their entire lives. Self-direction without self-discipline leads to self-destruction. Let's say it again. Self-direction, meaning you get to go the way you want to go without self-discipline, which means I can control myself leads to self-destruction. So the two-year-old that's throwing a temper tantrum, which is really just their negotiation tactics. Like that's how they negotiate to get what they want. Um, turns into the four-year-old that gets kicked out of preschool, which turns into the eight-year-old that is a bully at school or a thief or a liar or a troublemaker of some sort, which turns into the 16-year-old who starts drinking and wrecks the car and takes somebody else out at the same time. And their life just gets worse and worse and worse. And it's because 
we didn't learn to control our impulses when we were young, but it's not the kids that aren't learning, it's we're not teaching. And unfortunately, people, we don't always adjust unless there's some sort of guardrails that force us or some sort of consequence. And I, and um, you can, you can, I don't believe that you need corporal punishment. Okay. That's me. That's me. I never had to, I never slapped my kid's hand and never popped him in the mouth. I never swatted his butt, nothing, but I was a little bit older. I was almost 41 when Josh was born. So, but I had a different approach and I had a number of years of martial arts. I spent nine and a half years in the military before that. Before that, I was on uh, athletic teams. Before that, I was in Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts. So, like, I've had this life of these multiples of environments where you're kind of expected to behave right. And if you don't behave right, then there's some sort of consequence, like you don't get the merit badge or you uh, don't get to play in the game on Friday night or you don't get the next stripe, the next mm -hmm. pay raise in the military or in real life in the world uh, at your job. So it's a gift to teach a, a child how to control their impulses because that's the problem. I have an impulse and then I act on it. If you teach a child or an adult that when the impulse comes, I don't have to respond to it immediately. Like I could sit down and go, huh, how's this going to work out for me in three days? Or how's this going to work out in three minutes when mom's upset with me? or my teacher's upset with me, or my coach, my boss, my wife, my husband, like, you know, to just pause when you feel the impulse to do or behave in a way that's not going to get you points, right? Not good points. You're going to get the negative points. Um, and just pause and just take a deep breath and go, where are my thoughts taking me right now? Like I'm, I'm headed for a brick wall at 80 miles an hour. Like this is going to end so badly for me if I keep going down this road. Oh, I better rein it in. I better make different choices. I better separate myself from this crowd that's inclined to uh, mischief and vandalism and whatever, or drugs, mm -hmm. whatever. So it's a gift. Discipline and self-control is a gift. Yeah. And I, I keep thinking as you're talking that I try to surround us here. We don't have a lot of family that lives here with us. So I try to surround us with kind of a village of my own making. And this is such a good piece of it. Somebody to help teach all of that, because that's a big job to do on your own. And you need a lot of different examples. So that's a really good piece of the puzzle to have in place. I tried to be a good dad. Like from before Josh was born, I decided I'm going to be the best dad that I can be. I didn't have a dad that gave me outside of working hard at work. He, he didn't give me a, a single other positive example. Not one. Everything was negative. Everything else was negative. So I didn't really know how to do things. But what I did is I started to look around at fathers and or grandfathers, but primarily fathers who I thought was, were doing a good job. And to me, doing a good job isn't raising your, your voice and imposing your will. It's leading, right? I, I can stand behind a person and crack a whip and get them to, you know, run up that hill or... I could get out in front and say, hey, let's go. I'll go with you. Here, let me go. Let me get out there in front. I'll go with you. And I think we all need that kind of support. And little boys, they need, they need a certain type of leadership from their father, and they need a certain type of leadership from their mother. And little girls, same exact thing. Moms and dads are equally important. They have equal responsibilities in rearing a decent human being, you know, and you can't do it one, you know, if you only have one, 
let me retract that. You can do it. You can do it. You can. You absolutely can. But if you've got two people working together, pulling in the same direction, it's easier. And sometimes it turns out a little bit better um, when you get balance in there. Mm-hmm. But hey, if you're the only one, you're the only one. You got to be the mom and the dad. Yeah. And then you go find a good Kung Fu school to help fill in the pieces. <laughs> or, or a great neighbor or, you know, a boss. Yeah. Or co- right. Yeah. Yep. A good Cub Scout pack. Yep. <laughs> That's where the village comes in, right? And get all yeah. the, you know, mom and dad, or just a mom or dad, or really just one or two people. And I mean, teachers, it's really a community that, the community you put your children in helps develop them throughout their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in a small, small town. It was literally one mile end to end, and it was a half a mile wide. In that small town, that's where my father grew up. He, there were nine in his family, nine kids. One, two, three, four, five. Five of them, husband and wife pairs, lived in that same town. So going to grandmas or going to uncles or aunts and you know what I mean? And you're, you're being influenced by all these other people. This, the world today is very different. It's hard to be in an environment like that. Um, but yeah, you got to go out and find them. You just, you got to do it because you, you really can't do it yourself, whether it's your church, your, you know, some civic organization or scouting or martial arts or whatever youth centers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I talk too much. (laughs) No, but that's, um, a lot of people are in the same position that, you know, I am Melissa too, doesn't have a lot of immediate family close by. So this is the way that it's not like you're getting a family, but you're getting more people to have influence to kind of try to emulate what it used to be like, because I had the same, I also grew up in a very small town and my mom had 10 siblings and I had like 60 cousins and they all live close to me. And those were my role models. I wasn't in activities much when I was a kid. And those are the people that I saw and interacted with. And if I had the same kind of setup for Danny, he would see like three people. So, you know, in this, whatever today's world, I feel like it's a huge piece of parenting him to get him in the right kind of activities where he's exposed to other people that are good role models. And this is probably, he had been in swimming lessons before, which good instructors too, but this is definitely the best place that I've found to have those good role models for him and have good results come out of it, Mm. which definitely reduces some of my mom's stress. Well, stress is, it's always there. Like it's never, you you can't get rid of it. You just got to learn how to manage it and maybe get some of it to work for you. And then let the other stuff not work terribly against you. But mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. The whole uh, modeling thing reminded me too. Melissa's little daughter last year was doing a swimming competition and she sees Melissa running races and all of that. And she's out there just swimming for all she's worth, probably 10 times faster than I've ever moved through water in my life. And she's what, like, eight years old seven years old she was six last year she just turned today her seven that's right great that's even better (laughs) she was that girl could backstroke like literally a champ she won our like local championship um at six um nice and it wasn't even just the competitiveness with others like by time she like got in the highest level of the championship swim offs or whatever still learning all the terms of my swim swim team mom hat um, but yeah, she like somehow backstroke was her thing. Um, and she loved it. And now my son is in swim team this year. We'll start in June and they're so excited. Nice. Something to get them to move a lot and 
they still have a ton of energy afterwards. I'm not sure how, I mean, I know what I feel like after 45 minutes of swimming in the pool. Mm. I'm not like, all right, now let's go do my day. I'm like, I need a nap, but these kids are resilient. Yeah. And there's yeah. something else. All right. Well, I think that um, this has been awesome. Definitely dropped some good quotes in here. Oh yeah. I've, I've written some down. I'm going to make some, probably some pretty Instagram stuff out of this. Awesome. Um, that I will share with you. And also in our show notes, we'll share a link to Josh's book for sure. If anybody's interested in getting that, um, I can do a little plug for it. It helped me when Danny got his braces on earlier. Well, he has an expander, which for anybody who's had braces have told me that the palate expander is the worst step of the braces. Um, and he was feeling very whiny about it and it was awful. And we had just gotten that book. So we read it several times through and it kind of reminded him like, oh, he's not the only one that's ever gone through anything painful and uncomfortable. And if he would just keep on that, it would get better. And it, kind of, it helped get us through that. So it's very um, universally useful for any kind of situation. Plus it's a fun, cute book. Um, so we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Is there anywhere else, Mark, that if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, that they should reach out? Sure. Um, they can go to markgoblowski.com. That's G-O-B-L-O-W-S-K-Y.com, Mark with a K. Um, you can opt in there. I've got about 150 podcast episodes up. I've got some writing posted there. You can reach out to me on Facebook too. Um I post uh, some writing there as well that I hope is helpful to people. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody who wants to connect. Okay, and then the last thing here, we have three questions that we ask every guest that we have, and they're just kind of silly, fun questions. So there's no prep for it. You just have to answer them on the fly. Um, I will start. Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> could be your answer. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? <laughs> I meditate. I throw my legs over the side of the bed. I put my hands on my knees and I sit there for a couple of minutes to reset my brain. Because if I don't, even though I just came out of a sleep, my mind is like a wild dog, <laughs> like a wild untrained dog, unless I keep it trained and I have to set the tone for my day that I'm going to be focused and under control. And that's what I do. That's a good one. All right. The second question, what is your favorite beverage? My favorite beverage. Wow. I was tempted to say beer, but that's not really true. Um, <laughs> although I do enjoy Guinness, real Irish Guinness. Um, I would say if I could get like fresh, squeezed, pure, straight up fruit juice and or vegetables. I love it, man. Like I, when I drink it, it just like makes my body feel alive. So, yeah. I've been hearing a lot more about juicing. I think we need to look into this juicing thing, Allison. Mm -hmm. oh. All right. And the last question, did you want to ask? Do you want me to ask? You can. What is your favorite thing to do to de-stress? I'll read. I like reading too. Yeah. Although I honestly can't read when I'm stressed, which is weird to me. Um, it doesn't, I have to already be relaxed to start reading. I have to detach. Like if in order for me to enjoy the reading, I, I have to detach from whatever it was that had me stressed out or anxious about, and it's not always easy to do. And sometimes I don't do it. I can't like, I'm like wound up and I need to just like breathe and just like let the world be as it is for 
a few minutes or an hour. Yeah, the, the last two days were crazy stressful for me. And yesterday when I had the, the problem solved and I knew it was solved, it took me almost an hour for my system to like calm down. And I just kind of relaxed. Um, that was also my answer for my de-stress was reading, but I, mine is specifically that I have to read things that are stupid to make me not be stressed out. So like the twilight series, um, is a go-to for me like, Oh, this is so dumb. At least I'm not chasing after a vampire that sparkles and can go out in the sun. I'm not going to be stressed <laughs> now. Things could be a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know my wife is a um like a medical drama show junkie Grey's Anatomy the resident uh, there's a bunch of them and I, some I, I sit down and I'm like oh my gosh I can't do this but for her she's like it I don't have to think about anything like it, it just lets her mind unwind for me I'm like that's so stupid why would they do that you know, so yeah, that's stress inducing for me. <laughs> that's funny. Well, thank you very much for your time and coming on here. Um, we really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Um, had a lot of fun and um, thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. All right, we've got one bonus question specifically designed for Mark. Who do you prefer, Cobra Kai or Miyagi-Do? Miyagi-Do 100%. There's <laughs> no way I could endorse the Cobra Kai's behavior. I would throw them all out of my school if they acted like that. That's insane. Those guys are nuts. <laughs> Good answer. The Unstressed Memo Podcast is brought to you by Allison Rodden, Kelsey Decker, and Melissa Sarovi. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Unstressed Mama and on Instagram at Unstressed Mama. If you like what you heard, be sure to tell your friends so other mamas can join in the fun. You can find our individual contact information in the show notes for this episode. If you have questions about this topic or suggestions for future topics, the best place to reach us is through our Facebook group, Instagram page, or email at unstressedmama at gmail.com.